podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Boys and girls, two for the podcast on Wednesday, January 26th, brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider that's a virtual privacy network, allows you to go online, change your location, access things like American Netflix or whatever it is you're geoblocked from, while also keeping your data safe. Check out LibertyShield.com and use the code EPL599. To get $5.99 off your first month. First month for one quid, $6.99 thereafter, but no contract, no long-term commitment, instant download to your device. Get using and keep your data safe with LibertyShield.com. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops which you can find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10. You'll get 10% off at checkout. Right, folks. Uh, it is Wednesday. There's not a whole lot happening except for lots of transfer news coming along. Lots of scuttlebutt regarding rumours and deals that could happen and deals that won't happen and managers going here and managers doing this. But let's start with Everton. Everton appear to be on the brink of appointing Vitor Pereira as their manager. However, we have reports that he is set to turn the job down because of the fans having temper tantrums. So Everton fans have decided that Vitor Pereira is not good enough for them. Now, look. I'm not saying he's a great manager or anything of the sort. He won back-to-back titles with Porto, having taken over from Villas-Boas. He took over a really good team. He went to Al-Ali. It didn't go great. Didn't go badly, but didn't go great. He went to Olympiacos mid-season, and he did well. To his credit, he did well. He won 66.67% of his games. Lost only 3 of 27. And in a season that was looking like a write-off for them, he did drag them back into title contention. Then he went to Fenerbahce. He finished second in the league there. Wasn't a bad season at all. Did quite well. But second is never good enough for Fenerbahce. It's just the way they go. He did sue them for wrongful dismissal, and he won because he was wrongfully dismissed. He went to 1860 Munich. Nobody could have had success there in those circumstances. It's no surprise it went badly. He went to China. He won the Chinese Super League. And then he won the Chinese FA Cup. He did that with a team that has some good players, some big name players. It's no 
no point in pretending otherwise. They've got Oscar. They've got um, Aaron Moy. You know, there's good players there. But at the same time, they're not Guangzhou. And Guangzhou had won the league pretty much every year leading up to that. So he did well to win that league title. And then he went back to Fenerbahce in the summer. It didn't go great, and he was dismissed after six months. He won't win a wrongful dismissal case on that one. But he has done more in the game and had far more success than Frank Lampard, who, for some bizarre reason, has become the choice of Everton fans. Now, I don't know if it's because he shouted at Klopp once while getting his ass kicked in the game, but there is absolutely no evidence to support the idea that Frank Lampard is a good manager. None at all. In one season at Derby, he won 42.1% of his games. In... A year and a half at Chelsea, he won 52% of his games. He took over a Derby team that finished sixth. And under him, they finished sixth. They got one less point. They scored one less goal. They conceded six more goals. And by all accounts, were a Worse team than they had been the previous year under Gary Rowett. He got that job because Harry Redknapp is his uncle. Harry Redknapp is a friend of Mel Morris. And Mel Morris was starstruck by the idea of having Frank Lampard. Mel Morris is the type of guy who wants to own a football club but hasn't got the foggiest idea of what he's doing. Go and take a look at the Derby squad in 17-18. And then take a look at the team under Lampard, who was allowed to spend a substantial amount of money bringing in players, add an absolute fortune to the wage bill, bringing in Premier League players Mason Mount, Harry Wilson, Fikayo Tomore, and Andy King, all of whom Derby were paying the full wage for. Harry Wilson was on about 25 grand a week at Liverpool at that point. That's big money for a championship player. I would imagine Mount and Tomore were on the same, if not more. Andy King was probably on 40 to 50 grand. That's just adding to the wage bill. And then all the other players they brought in too. Ashley Cole. There's no way Cashley came on the cheap. No chance at all he came on the cheap. So you've got massive money added to the wage bill for worse performance. They got to the playoff final and they lost. Now, admittedly, Rowett hadn't gotten to the playoff final the year before. He lost in the semi-final, won the first leg, lost the second. But I would say that the Fulham team 
he lost to were probably slightly better than the Leeds team that Lampard beat. But I don't think you can look at anything he did there and say he's a good manager. He did worse than Gary Rowett with a better squad. He takes over at Chelsea. They finish third and win the Europa League under Eden Hazard. Now, the myth that exists is he had a transfer embargo. He couldn't replace Eden Hazard. The fact of the matter is Christian Pulisic was bought in the January before the transfer embargo kicked in as the replacement for Eden Hazard. Pulisic was bought to replace Hazard because they knew all along that Hazard was leaving that summer. So they'd replaced Hazard. They also signed Kovacic on a free. And not only that, but they had a bunch of players coming back off loans that the previous summer, or sorry, the previous manager, Sarri, did not have the use of. And those players are the likes of Mason Mount, Fikayo Tamore, Sorry, did I say did I say Kovacic on a on a loan? I meant to say they'd had him on loan. They signed him permanently, not on a free. They signed him permanently. Anyway, Mount Tamori and Tammy Abraham had all been out on loan the previous season. So there's three new players coming into the team that Sari didn't have access to. And Sarri didn't have control of transfers when he was there either. So, you know, there's four new players in Pulisic, Abraham, Mount and Tamori that Sarri did not have access to. They're players he didn't get to use. So Lampard, for all the talk of a transfer embargo, he gets four new players plus Kovacic on a permanent deal. And remember, actually, excuse me, five new players because Kurt Zuma was loaned out the previous summer as well and he would go on to play a big part in Lampard's team. So five new players. That Sari didn't have. Zoom, they owned them already, admittedly, they owned four of them already, but Pulisic plus the four boys back on loan. That's a transfer window. That's a transfer. If you're getting five players that your successor, or predecessor rather, didn't have, that's a transfer window. So the idea of the embargo is nonsense. Put that in the bin. There's just no truth to it. He got to bring in five players the previous manager hadn't got to work under. He got to keep Kovacic on a, on a permanent deal. And remember as well, whenever a player goes on loan, it's very rare that you get the very best of them because they're protecting themselves. They don't want to fully commit to something if they don't know they have a future there. 
they don't want to risk injury if they don't know where their future lies. So he got a better version of Kovacic as well than Sarri had. Having finished third and won the Europa League, they finished fourth under Lampard. And were notably worse in pretty much every area. Under Sarri, they had 72 points. Under Frank, they managed 66 points. So they got six points worse off in the Premier League. Under Sarri, they played pretty good football. Then he conceded 39 goals. Under Frank, they conceded 54 goals. Now, they did score six goals more, but they conceded 15 more, which is absolutely shocking. Then Frank went out, and not unlike how you would imagine Harry Redknapp would be strolling through Peckham and going up to Delboy and Rodney at their market stall, and, you know, getting very excited by knockoff Rolex watches. Lampard hit the transfer window with nothing resembling a plan. They'd already signed Hacking Zayic for $36 They bring in Tino Werner, who they didn't plan to sign, for 48 They bring in Ben Chilwell for 50 Kai Havertz, who they didn't plan to sign, for 72, because he somehow became available to them. I mean, and none of them have been success. Have been a success. You could argue Chilwell, but you could also point out the fact that he hasn't always been the automatic first choice under Thomas Tuchel. I mean, Alonso has played a lot under Tuchel. You, you can't argue that Zayic has been a success. You can't argue that Werner has been a success. You can't argue that Havertz has been a success. I know he scored in the Champions League final, but there's no real argument to be made that he's been anywhere near worth 72 million. I love him. I think he's going to be a great player, but he hasn't worked for Chelsea so far. They signed Thiago Silva on a free because they wanted a centre-back and he was available and, you know, reasons. Um, he, for, for, for a free transfer, he has been a success. Not nearly as good as they've made him out to be, but the back three does a lot of protecting. And then you get Eduard Mendy, who's been a runaway success for them, but was about their fifth choice goalkeeper target. And from there, Lampard led them to ninth. And they were going nowhere. And you know that if it had been Lampard versus Diego Simeone in the Champions League, Simeone would have eaten them alive. Sacking Lampard was the best thing Chelsea could have done. I don't understand what Everton fans see in this guy that makes them think he's a better manager than someone like Pereira. And again, Pereira is not a great manager. He may not even be a good manager, but he's at least a competent manager. I don't even think Lampard is that. Like, I saw... Was it Matt Law said this? I saw a tweet from Matt Law earlier on. Let me try and pull it up. Um... I'm sure I'll get stick on Twitter for this, but surely Lampard is the obvious choice for Everton. 
Fans seem to want him. Okay. Most fans don't know what they're talking about. Track record in English football. What track record? He's made two teams worse. Can communicate ideas quickly. What? What ideas? What is it that he's communicating to these players? And make instant impacts. Well, that's an interesting phrase. Because he lost two of his first three games at Derby. When he went to Chelsea in his first season there, they went to Old Trafford and Ollie pulled his pants down and paddled his backside. He won one of his first four and two of his first six matches at Chelsea. Those matches away to Norwich and a game against the bad Wolves team. I'm not sure. Qualifying for and managing in the Champions League. You're at Chelsea. Qualifying for the Champions League at Chelsea is like getting a free toy in your Happy Meal. It sounds good. It means nothing. Also getting to an FA Cup final. He bottled an FA Cup final against Lego Head. Seems plenty qualified for the Everton job to me. Jesus Lord wept. Yes, Chelsea were ninth when they sacked him, but they'd been in the top three for the first 11 games of that season. Like, is this what you're clinging to? They'd been in the top three for 11 games. Seriously, this is what you're clinging to. It's also, it's also not true. No, they hadn't. You horrendous liar, you. They'd been 11th. They, so, they were third after the first game. Then they were 11th, 9th, 7th, 8th, 10th, 7th, 5th. And then they had three games back in the top three. So, they were in the top three for four of the first 11 weeks. You dreadful, dreadful liar, Matt Law. I'm just going to respond to his tweet. Well, this is a lie. Chelsea had been third, eleventh, ninth, seventh. Eighth, tenth, seventh, fifth. Third, third, and third. Third for four weeks. Not 11, like Matt has claimed here. Now, we'll just send that on, and that'll do. Anyway, 
Lampard would be a dreadful appointment. Let's let's all be fair. Lampard is not fixing the problems at Everton. Everton have serious issues at the football club this year. And they're currently sitting in a very precarious place in the table. They're 16th. They're three points ahead of Norwich, who've already beaten them this season. They're four points ahead of Newcastle. Five ahead of Watford who've also beaten them, and they're seven points ahead of Burnley, who have two games in hand on them. Fixture-wise, Everton's next league match is away to Newcastle. So if Newcastle beat them, Newcastle will be one point behind them. Then they get Leeds, then Southampton away, then a really tough run. City, Ever- uh, City, Tottenham, and Wolves. Like, that's not a six-game run you want Frank Lampard walking into. And their end of season is very difficult. They get Watford after Wolves. Then it's West Ham, Manchester United, Crystal Palace, Liverpool, Chelsea, Leicester, Brentford, and Arsenal. Now, you could see them beating Watford. You could see them beating Brentford. I can't see them beating any of the others. Certainly not under Lampard. There's maybe three wins left on the table for them. As things currently stand. Unless something drastic changes. And Frank Lampard is not that drastic change. He just isn't. He's not that guy. But there's a lot of defeats left there for them. It's amazing to me that Frank Lampard is, A, getting so much backing by so many in the media, to the point where they're willing to lie about his track record, and B, that fans are fooled into thinking he's something he's not. Frank Lampard is not a good manager. He just isn't a good manager. We have 141 games as a sample size to suggest he's actually a poor manager. We have absolutely zero to suggest he's a good manager. Getting into the Champions League. Seriously. Getting into the Champions League with Chelsea. With that squad. Even if there had been a transfer embargo. Look at the squad he inherited. The most expensive keeper in the world. Antonio Rudiger, who Chelsea fans will tell you is the best centre-back going. Marcus Alonso, solid. Andreas Christensen is quality. Jorginho, Kante, Barkley, whatever. Tammy Abraham. William was still quite decent at that point. Pedro was still decent. Loftus-Cheek, Kurt Zuma, Kovacic, Oli Giroud, Mason Mount, Callum Hudson-Odoi, Pulisic, Michi, Reese James, Cesar Azpilicueta, Fikayo Tomore, Emerson. This is not a bad squad by any stretch of the imagination. There's an 11 there, more than capable. There's a couple of different ones, more than capable of a top four finish. And again, like look at the, look at the league that year. United were awful. Spurs were awful. Arsenal were embarrassing. Leicester were the only team, aside from Liverpool, 
who overperformed. City, you would say, were disappointing, but still finished second. But the fact that Chelsea needed Leicester to choke, and remember that as well, Chelsea didn't qualify for the Champions League. Leicester choked and gifted them a spot in the Champions League. That was entirely down to Leicester City and Brendan Rodgers pulling off one of the biggest bottle jobs in the history of the Premier League. All Leicester needed to do when when football restarted, all Leicester, and they'd already started to bottle it, remember, they'd already started to fall apart. They lost to City, lost to Liverpool at the turn of the year, at the at Christmas time. They'd started to stumble before the lockdown. They'd only won four of... That's even worse than I thought it was. They'd won four of 13 going into the lockdown. But even at that, even at that, Coming out of the lockdown, they still had a 99.7% chance with 538 of finishing in the top four and a 97% chance of finishing in the top three. Like, that's how good of a first half of the season they'd had. So the first 16 games, they were outstanding. First 17 games, you could say. But coming out of lockdown, they had. Eight games left. Eight games left. And all they needed from eight games was 15 points. Is that right? Was it 15 or 16? It could have been 16 points. 16 points. Excuse me. They needed 16 points from eight games. And those games were... Watford away, who got relegated. Brighton at home, who finished 17th or 16th. Everton away, who finished bottom half. Crystal Palace at home. Arsenal away. Bournemouth away, who got relegated. Sheffield United at home, who got relegated. Tottenham away, who were awful, and United away, who weren't good either. All they needed to do was win two games more. They needed five wins and a draw. They managed two wins and three draws. They took nine points. Actually, I'm I'm wrong. They needed 13 points. They didn't need 16. They needed 13 points from eight games. And they took nine. They took nine points from eight games. That's what gave Frank Lampard Champions League football. It had absolutely nothing to do with anything he did. Leicester City bottling top four is what gifted Lampard his top four finish. He's not a good manager. Everton should swerve him. 
Uh, we have other news. Wolves have signed Huang He Chan on a permanent deal from RB Leipzig. He'd been there on loan with an option to buy for 14 million, and Wolves have now triggered that option and he will stay with the club long term. He has scored four goals in 14 games thus far. Wolves believed to be in the process of negotiating the sale of Adama Traore, but no deal in place just yet. Antonio Conte is also said to be keen to sell Deli Ali, Tangai Endembele and Giovanni Lo Celso. Um, Newcastle are busy, busy boys. So it looks like they may be able to pull off one of the most shocking transfers of this transfer window, and that is Bruno Gomerich of Lyon. Rumours are, or reports are, a £30 million bid has been accepted and they will now attempt to convince the player to make the move. He's in Ecuador at the minute with the national team and is expected to have a medical when he gets back to Brazil. If Newcastle can sign him, it would be a stunning move. He walks into basically... I would say 17 Premier League teams. I mean, Manchester United are starting McFred. Arsenal are still trying to fool themselves into thinking that Granit Xhaka is a decent footballer, when in fact he is one of the worst midfielders in the league. Spurs are playing the Vanilla Midgets, Winks and Skip. And, you know, you look below that, Gamerish improves all of them as well. He is a phenomenally good player. Hasn't hit his peak years yet. Absolutely a Champions League caliber player. And yet Newcastle seem to be getting a free run at him at a bargain price. Now, I would imagine the bag of money will be huge if they can convince him. But I would wonder what sort of provisions are put in place if they go down. Is it a release clause where he goes for £25 million, Or will they just loan him out while they're in the championship? Because he's not going to want to play in the championship. But he would be an outstanding signing. One signing that doesn't look like it will happen for them is Jesse Lingard. Apparently, Manchester United were asking for a ridiculous loan fee for the player. And when wages and everything else was taken into, into consideration... It would have cost Newcastle in excess of £15 million, including an additional payment to United if the Toon avoided relegation. Newcastle have done well to steer clear of that one. That is ridiculous. Um, Newcastle are also believed to be on the verge of signing Dan Byrne from Brighton for 10 million of the Queen's pounds. I don't like this one nearly as much as I like that Gamerish one. Dan Byrne is 29. He's believed to be a Newcastle lad. He's from the Northwest. Um, look, he's a, he's a decent Northeast. Yes, yeah, sorry, Northeast. Uh, he's a decent player. There's no doubt about that. But what I will say is he plays under Graham Potter, who's one of the smartest defensive minds in the league. 
uh, Eddie Howe is one of the worst defensive coaches in the league. And I'm not sure that Newcastle's style, which is a bit more wide open than Brighton's, will suit Dan Byrne. But he is an improvement in what they have. I don't know that he makes the difference that they're looking for. But they do need defenders in the door. This will be a defender in the door, and you can't criticize them for filling needs, even if the player himself maybe is not of the standard required. But at 10 million, what are you going to get? What are you going to get for 10 million in this league? I mean, they could buy Nat Phillips. I'd rather have Dan Byrne. He'd be cheaper. And I think he's a better footballer. Um, United have finalised one loan move by the looks of it. It does appear that Anthony Martial is joining Sevilla on loan until the end of the season. Uh, I think this is a great move for all parties, especially for Sevilla, who get a very, very good forward player in the door for their title challenge. They are attempting to win the league for, I think, the first time in, is it 77 years? Something along those lines, since Sevilla last won the title. And they're going all in on it this year. They're four points behind Real Madrid. It looks like they've managed to hold on to Diego Costa. So bringing in Martial to join an attack with Lucas Ocampos, Rafa Mir, Yusuf Naziri, Eric Lamella, Suso. There's a lot of good players. Munir, there's a lot of good players in this, um, this attack for Sevilla. And Martial will add one more to it. They've got quality in midfield. They've got one great defender in Jules Kunde, and they kind of patch the rest together, but they make it work. And they've made it work really, really well this season. Um, Lupetegui has done a phenomenally good job at that club and really should be on the shortlist for top clubs. Um, Lille, oh, sorry, Leon have, ooh, Leon have re- uh, released an official statement categorically denying the false information disseminated by many media reporting an agreement between Newcastle and Lyon for the transfer of Bruno Gomerich. They're saying it's not true. Now, Romano wants you to think that he's right in there. He wants you to think he's the fella with the knowledge. Official statement, no of no full agreement reached yet. Payment terms and agent details among the problems. Um, he's such a spoofer. He is such a spoofer. Uh, did anyone see the piece in the New York Times? That's one of the most embarrassing pieces of journalism I've ever seen in my entire life. And I'm not surprised, given who it came from. Um, Yeah, I mean, Romano was claiming an hour ago that Gomerich would have a medical when he got back to Brazil. 
now he's claiming to know even more. It's it's magnificent stuff. Magnificent stuff. 40 mil bid accepted by OL, he said two hours ago. But, you know, this is supposedly the guy who knows everything. What a load of crap. Um, Manchester City have made their first signing of the window, it would appear. Julian Alvarez, the young Argentine striker. Very, very talented player. I've seen a lot of City fans say, oh, we've signed the new Aguero. I think he's more of a Tevez than an, than an Aguero, but I do think he's a really good signing. I do think he's very, very talented. So congrats to City. I think that's a good get. Uh, I'm going to take a quick break. When we come back, I have something I want to run through quickly, so I will see you in a minute. Right, welcome back. So, uh, the other day, I got a DM on Twitter from Cahill at Seabers. <laughs> so, I've got one for you to go through. It's a very long one, so understand we'll take time to do. You get to handpick your dream Premier League season with teams from different eras competing. You can make the most competitive, craziest, or funniest if you like. 20 different teams from over the Premier League eras. Talk through how you think it'll go and your 1 to 20 place teams. So, I have. I thought the fairest way to do this was to look at the teams that have been in the Premier League for the most amount of years and then make one or two changes just because there's a couple of clubs that. Not haven't necessarily been in the league for as long as others, but I really like certain iterations of their team. So, six teams have been in every season of the Premier League. Manchester United, Tottenham, Arsenal, Chelsea, Everton and Liverpool. So, they are all in. Uh, Newcastle, Aston Villa, West Ham and Manchester City are the next four. So that's the first ten that we've got. Then Southampton, Blackburn, and I, I've also put them in because they won the title. Sunderland are next, and with the greatest respect, I couldn't be bothered with them, so Sunderland aren't in. Uh, Leicester, obviously, and then they won the Premier League as well, so that's why they're in. Um, Middlesbrough, and I've, I've brought Borough in. Fulham, Leeds, West Brom will be next. I didn't want them, so they're out. Crystal Palace are in. Bolton are next, and they're in because they had one season that I loved. Norwich are next, and they're in. And then I reached really far down for Nottingham Forest. So, with respect to certain Premier League clubs who are in the division now, Certain Premier League clubs that have had plenty of seasons in the division. This is what I've gone for as my 20 Premier League teams. Arsenal, Aston Villa, Blackburn, Bolton, Chelsea, Crystal Palace, Everton, Fulham, 
Leeds, Leicester, Liverpool, Manchester City, Manchester United, Middlesbrough, Newcastle, Norwich, Nottingham Forest, Southampton, Tottenham, and West Ham. That is the 20-team list. So what years? Well, obviously for Arsenal, it's got to be 03-04, the unbeaten league champions, the Invincibles. I still believe that that is the greatest achievement in the Premier League. More so than the 100 points, I just think to go unbeaten across 38 games is an incredible achievement. And, you know, you think of the players that were in that team, Ashley Cole, Saul Campbell, Robert Perez, Vieira, Gilberto Silva, Burkamp, Henri, you know, this was a phenomenally good and perfectly balanced team. I would say the weakest link is probably Jens Lehmann, who was a very good goalkeeper, but I would say he's probably the weak link in the team. You know, they were were just so good, so strong, and they had multiple options everywhere. I mean, Martin Keown was towards the end of his career there, but he barely played. But he could still come in and lock down any striker you needed him to. You had Nwanku Kanu as a squad player. David Bentley is a squad player. Sylvain Wiltord is a squad player. Ray Parler is a squad player. Edu is a squad player. He was a much better squad player than he was uh, director of football. But, you know, Pascal Sigan is a backup. You had Gail Clichy as a backup. This was a really strong squad. This is a really good team. So that's the Arsenal team. For Aston Villa, it's 92-93, the first season of the Premier League. Uh, This is the best season Villa have had. They finished second. And when you look at some of the players in that squad, there's just, it brings back great memories. Dalian Atkinson, um, what what an incredible player he is. He was, what a a sad way his life ended. But Dalian Atkinson, tremendous. Ray Houghton, Kevin Richardson, Gary Parker, Steve Froggett, him breaking through, how exciting he was. Tony Daly. If it hadn't been for the hamstring injuries, what would he have been? Cyril Regis at the end of his career. Dean Saunders. And of course, Paul McGrath. One of the greatest defenders who's ever lived. Sensational. You had young Ugo Ekiog, you had young Mark Bosnich, a young Neil Cox in that squad as well. So that was a very, very good Aston Villa team. For Blackburn, it's obviously the title winning team. And you know, you, you look at that title-winning team and it was just very strong from back to front. Tim Flowers, you had a combination of Jeff Kenna and Tony Gale kind of filling it right back. Um, you Graham Lasso at left back. Colin Hendry, Henning Berg as the centre-backs. You had... Um, Tim Sherwood and David Batty in midfield. Although Batty didn't play a whole lot that year because he was injured. Was it Mark Atkins played most of the season? Uh, you had Paul Warhurst could play anywhere. You had Ripley and Wilcox on the wing and then obviously Shearer and Sutton up front. And it was just a very good, very deep squad. And 
they'd spent a lot of money. Ian Pierce was another one that played a lot. He played a lot of centre back and Berg played right back quite a bit. So they had flexibility like that. And Alan Wright was a good backup left back. He also played for Aston Villa. But yeah, so that that's the uh the the ninety four ninety five Blackburn team. For Bolton, I went oh three oh four. They finished eighth that season, and it's purely down to the fact that Yuri Jorkaev and JJ Akocha were in the team, and Mario Jardel, and Ivan Campo, and there was they were just fun. They were just fun. So I've got them. Uh, Chelsea, I've got the oh five oh six team. Uh, you could go 0405. You could go with the Carlo Ancelotti double team, but I think I think Mourinho's second year, the first time around, is the one. I think they were brilliant that season. So um, I would go for that team. Crystal Palace. I'm going for right now. I love this Crystal Palace team. Now in this. Make believe season, they may end up getting relegated, but this season they look really good, and I'm very much enjoying watching them play. For Everton, look, I wouldn't actually have them in this because, I mean, what have they done in the Premier League? What have they done in the Premier League? Let's let's all take a moment and just bask in the mediocrity of Everton as a Premier League team. So. 13th, 17th, 15th, 6th, 15th, 17th, 14th, 13th, 16th, 7th, uh, sorry, 15th, 7th, 17th. So there's the first, what, 12, 13 years, and they manage two top half finishes. They're a relegation scrapper most years. Then they get fourth, massive achievement, massive achievement to be fair. Then they get 11th. Then 6th, 5th, 5th again, 8th, 7th, 7th, 6th, 5th, 11th, 11th, 7th, 8th, 8th, 12th and 10th. I mean, the, the mediocrity is, is staggering here. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11... 12, 13, 14, 15, 14 seasons, sorry, 14 of the Premier League seasons thus far, they've been a bottom half team. So I, I actually wouldn't have them because it's not like they're fun either. There's no fun involved in Everton. Being an Everton fan is basically making conscientious decision to just forgo all enjoyment in life. To just be really angry and scroll things on bedsheets. Uh, so I wouldn't have them in, but they did finish fourth one year and they have been in the league every year. So fair is fair. Uh, I'll go with that 0405 team. And there was, so look, it was a, it was a good team. You had Nigel Martin and Richard Wright as the two keepers. That was pretty strong. You had Pistone and Tony Hibbert as the fullbacks. You had Yobo. Uh, Stubbs and Weir kind of rotating in those central defensive areas. So strong depth there as well. Uh, Steve Watson could play a bit of right back, could play in midfield. Played for Newcastle. Probably best known for his time at Newcastle. Kevin Kilban, Tim Cahill, Leon Osman, Lee Carsey. 
Jesus, what? Moyes deserves a knighthood for getting this lot to top four finished. Uh, Mikel Arteta, I think he came in mid-season. And up front, you had Marcus Bent, who scored six goals and appears to have been... No, Tim Cahill was their top scorer with 11. Osman and Bent scored six. Big Dunk got five in 35 appearances. Lee Carsley got four. Thomas Gravison got four. I think he left in the January, didn't he, to go to Real Madrid. And that's when Arteta came in. Uh, Gravison was playing really well that year. And then nobody else scored more than one. Like, even, even that, you're finishing fourth in the league. It's, that's still a painful watch by the sounds of it. They finished fourth. I, I need to check, has this been done before? I won't do it today, but I'll do it, I'll do it for another day. They finished fourth with a minus one goal differential. <laughs> they scored 45 goals and conceded 46. That is the flukiest fourth place finish ever. Ever. Liverpool finished fifth that year, won the Champions League, obviously, but at least had a plus 11 goal differential. Manchester United finished second with plus 32. Arsenal were, sorry, United were third plus 32. Arsenal were second plus 51. Obviously, Chelsea won the league that year. Um, that's, Chelsea were plus 57. That's an abomination. They're the, only two teams in the top half had negative goal differentials that year. Them in fourth and Villa in tenth. Everyone else's at least has the decency to be plus. That's a shocker. An absolute shocker. I'm tempted to take them out. That's a disgrace. Um, right. Up next then, we've got Fulham. And again, there's not a whole lot of exciting finishes here. Not a whole lot of, you know, stuff to be writing home about. But I'll go with 08 09. They finished seventh. And they had a pretty good team that year. Um, they finished a plus five goal differential of 53 points, which for Roy is outstanding. Mark Schwarzer, Paul Kuchewski, John, Jesus. Uh, Breda Hangeland, I always, I always like Breda Hangeland. Uh, Andy Johnson up front, Bobby Zamora, scored two goals that year. Uh, Zoltan Gira, I enjoyed watching him. Danny Murphy. The Amansi Kamara I liked when he first when he first appeared in the league. Uh, Olivier Decor, squad player. Clint Dempsey is a good player. Simon Davies is a good player. Yeah, I mean they're probably finishing bottom, so I'm going to put them. I'm going to put them towards the bottom. Um, Leeds ninety nine two thousand. I think that's probably the best year they had. Uh, they finished, I think, third in the league that year. Nigel Martin, Ian Hart, Gary Kelly, Lucas Radaby, Jonathan Woodgate, Michael Bridges up front, scored 19 goals that year. Harry Kuehl was on fire. Lee Bowyer had a really good year. Darren Huckerby was a valuable squad player. Jason Wilcox came in that year from Blackburn and added quite a bit of depth and some quality out wide. So, yeah, I, I would go with that as the best 
Leeds season. I think they're that was a pretty good season for them. Next up is Leicester, and it's their title-winning team, obviously. Um, they don't win the title in any other season. Not any other season, but it is what it is. Uh, next up is Liverpool. Now, obviously, they won the title in 1920, but I still think the best team they've had in the Premier League is actually the year before. I think the, the 2018-2019 team is better than the 1920 team. That's the team that won the Champions League and finished one point behind City. I think that team was stronger than this team the season after. Uh, for City, it is the 17-18 vintage. They got 100 points. Uh, they were pretty close to unstoppable. And, you know, when you think about what that team was, and you think about how much fun they were to watch and how scary they were at times, you know, that, that 4-3-3 that would morph into a 4-4-2 with De Bruyne pushing wide right, Sané dropping wide left, Sterling and Aguero forming a front two, and then Silva and Fernandinho forming a midfield two. They were tremendous. Now, defensively, they weren't individually great, but they never gave the ball away, so, you know... They didn't really have to worry about it. Uh, for Manchester United, I went with the treble winning season. They won a treble. <laughs> they won a treble. So, they won a treble. That's <laughs> It's all you can take to say. They won the, they won the treble. It, it's, it's one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. Um, Middlesbrough have gone for their first season in the Premier League, 95-96. They came up, they had this new stadium, they signed Nicky Barmby, they signed Janino, and there was just something about them. Obviously, the following year, they bring in Ravinelli, they bring in Emerson, they bring in Branco. No, Branco arrived that first season. It was just Emerson and Rav Ravinelli, or maybe Gianluca Festa. They went down. So even though they were more fun the second year, I, I can't pick a season they got relegated in. Um, so I'll go with I'll go with this team. Also, this team had the legendary Jamie Pollock and Phil Stamp. Uh, two lads who could just run through walls. Just phenomenal stuff. Literally no fear at all. And Jamie Pollock's son is now quite a good team. Uh, Guy wants me to put in the Yakubu Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank team. No, you're all right, thanks. Um, I'm going with, with Newcastle next from the same season, 95-96. This is the year they finished second. It's the year before they signed Shearer. It's the year where Ginola arrives. And it's him and Keith Gillespie on the wings. And Beardsley behind Les Ferdinand. And they're just a ton of fun to watch. They've got Rob Lee in midfield scoring goals. Lee Clark in midfield doing his thing. And then for whatever reason, they go out in the January and they bring in Tino Espria and David Batty. And Batty, I could understand, because the one knock on them was that they were a little bit soft defensively. They had Barton and Beresford as their fullbacks, Darren Peacock, and I want to say Steve Howie as the centre-backs. And then Philippe Albert was there as well, but I don't know that he started as often. But, you know, that's what basically the team was. They had... Cernicek and Hislop as the keepers. And they were a lot of fun. They were one of the most entertaining teams the Premier League has seen 
So I could, and I could understand bringing in Batty to sort of as an upgrade on Lee Clark next to Rob Lee, give them a bit more solidity. But I never understood the Espria signing because Beardsley was on fire in the first half of the season and he wasn't nearly as good in the second half and Newcastle threw the title away. Uh, for Norwich, I'm also going back to the first season of the Premier League. They finished third. And uh, the reason I'm picking this team is because this is the team that the following year went into the UEFA Cup and beat Bayern Munich and gave into Milan absolutely everything they can handle. But they beat Bayern Munich. But it wouldn't have been possible without that first season and they finished third in the Premier League. Like Norwich City, just think about that for a second. The first season of the Premier League, Norwich City finished third. Villa were United won, obviously. Villa, Norwich, Blackburn, who were spending their way towards the title, QPR, Liverpool, Sheffield Wednesday. So in that top seven, you had three teams who currently reside at Sheffield Wednesday, even in the championship. No, Sheffield Wednesday are in League One. So you have two teams currently in the championship. One that's currently in League One. And in the top three, you've got two teams that in recent years have been relegated, and in Norwich's case, relegated multiple times. Crazy. Arsenal finished 10th. City were 9th. Spurs were 8th. Chelsea were 11th. It was... But it was so cool. It really was. Because it... Even though it was like it was just the same as Division One, it was on Sky. It was the FA Carling Premiership. It was all you know pomp and circumstance, and it was just the early seasons of the Premier League were just brilliant. They really were. Yeah, yeah. You can look back at the quality of football and you can disparage it all you want, but when you really dig into it. And you really look at what was going on at that time and this new dawn of something really exciting and the money flooding in and new players arriving all the time and players that, you know, you'd saw the World Cup or the European Championship who were these exotic things. And then the next thing they're arriving and it's Brian Roy to Nottingham Forest of all teams. And speaking of Nottingham Forest, it is them up next. And it is the 94-95 team with Brian Roy and Stan Collymore. Lars Bohinen was in that team. Stuart Pearce. Des Little. This was a quality team. This really was a quality team. Ian Wone, who's currently, I think, the assistant manager at Burnley. Steve Stone, who's on the coaching staff. At Burnley as well. Um, they finished third in the league. Collymore and Brian Roy were one of the best front partnerships in Premier League history. They were just absolutely tremendous. And um, this was one of the last times the Nottingham Forest were good. So, you know, it's nice to remember. Uh, Southampton, then I've gone... It ha Southampton I just have to include because Letizia. 
So I've gone for 94-95 because they finished in the top half. And I know Letizia is definitely not for everybody anymore. He's definitely not for me now. But they, those teams that he, he dragged to safety every year, they were, just, they were just bad teams. And he kept them up single-handedly. Like, even this season, this uh, 94-95 season. So... They win four of their first nine games, okay? Then they don't win a game. They win in week nine. And from there to week 32, now remember, there's 42 games in these seasons. But they managed to win only two of 20. 21. They win two of 21 and still finish in mid-table. They drew a bunch of games. They had like seven draws in a row, nine draws out of ten. But yeah, I mean, they were funny. They, they would probably go down, so we'll put them down towards the bottom. Um, Tottenham, I've gone the 16-17 team. They finished second um, in, you know, Klopp was there, Pep was there, Conte was there. They, they finished second. Um, so I, I don't think you can disparage them. They were seven points off Chelsea. But they finished eight points ahead of Pep and City, ten ahead of Klopp and Liverpool. So I think it was a hell of a, a hell of an effort that year. Um, they were a, it was a great team. It really was a great team. Lloris was in his prime. Walker was at his best. Vertonghen and Alderweireld were outstanding. They had the options of Trippier or Ben Davies at left back. Oh, sorry, um, Rose or Ben Davies at left back. Neither of them very good, but. They were what they were. But Wanyama was outstanding that year. Eric Dyer wasn't great, but, you know, he played quite a bit. Moussa Dembele was great until they decided to, to sell him. Delhi was brilliant that year. He scored 18 goals in the Premier League. Christian Eriksen was great that year. And then you had Kane and Son. They, that, that Spurs team was really, really good. If they'd added a good left back and kept Dembele... I think that team could have gone on to have real success. Um, West Ham, I've gone the 97-98 team that finished eighth in the league. Uh, John Hartson banging in goals for them. There's just, there's just some good memories with that team. Trevor Sinclair, quality player. Steve Potts and Julian Dix at the back. I really like that, um, Really liked that West Ham team. Young Rio Ferdinand, young Frank Lampard, both making their way along. Eil Bergovic, Berkovic, Berkovic. Uh, maybe most famous for getting kicked in the face by John Hartson, but he was a hell of a player as well. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I will go with. Yeah. Quite a good team. And then, I think that's it. That is it. That is my 20. So, uh, how would it go? Right. I don't wanna, I'm not, I'm not gonna pick the whole 20 because I, I don't have time. Um, I would say, realistically, The 
the title comes down to Arsenal's Invincibles, that Chelsea team, that Liverpool team, that City team, or United. So I think the title is a five-way race between United's treble winners, City Centurions, the unbeaten Arsenal team, Liverpool's Champions League winner, and Chelsea in 05, 06. I think Blackburn would finish sixth, that 94-95 team, I think would finish sixth. Newcastle's second place team would finish seventh. No, I'm wrong. Tottenham, Tottenham would finish above them. I'll go Tottenham, then Blackburn, then Newcastle. Um, then Leicester's title winner. Then that Leeds team. Going down, I think Fulham would go down. I think Southampton would go down. And I think... Possibly that West Ham team. Yeah, I'll go with that. Um... No, I'm keeping Forrest up. Don't be mean, guy. Forrest are staying up. Collymore and Roy are not getting relegated. Norwich wouldn't go down. That Villa team wouldn't go down. No, to be fair, the Borough team is probably the one that will go down. It probably is that Borough team. <laughs> you know what? You're right. Everton's fourth place team. Where are you? Come out here. Come outside. Where's Everton's fourth place team? They're the one. They're going down. The Ev, 0405, going down. Because if you can't get a positive goal differential and you finishing in the top three, or top four rather, you deserve to go down. Okay, 20th spot, Fulham, 0809, relegated. 19th, Southampton, 9495, relegated. 18th, Everton, 0405, get out. Relegated. 2021-22 Palace, you get to stay up. 94-95, sorry, 95-96 Villa. Ah, 95-96 Middlesbrough, you're staying up. Um, you're 16th. 15th, we have 97-98 West Ham. 14th is 94-95 Nottingham Forest. 13th is 92-93 Norwich. 12th is 03-04 Bolton. And 11th is 92-93 Aston Villa. Tenth, we're going to go ninety nine thousand Leeds. Ninth, fifteen sixteen Leicester. Eighth will be ninety five ninety six Newcastle. Seventh, I'm going ninety four ninety five Blackburn, the title winner. 
Sixth, I'm going Spurs, 16-17. And then it's a five-way. Liverpool didn't win the league that season. But I think they'd give any one of those teams absolute hell on earth. United finished first in the Premier League with 79 points. I think I'm going with them in fifth. And I know they won the Champions League and everything else, but I I think I'm going with them in fifth. They had four good forwards. They had... A near-perfect midfield, Beckham, Skulls, Keane and Giggs. They had Schmeichel a little bit past his prime. The two great defenders in Stam and Irwin. But I think they had a hole in defence. So I'm going with them in fifth. I'm going to say I think Liverpool finished fourth. He didn't win the league. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I know they won it the following year, but I, I didn't pick that season. Even the, even the title winning season, like I said, I don't think was as good as the team the year before. Even with the two extra points, I think the league was easier that year because City weren't as, as much of a threat. Um, so I'm going to go Liverpool fourth. I'll say the unbeaten Arsenal team. No, I'm going to go Chelsea. Chelsea third. The unbeaten Arsenal team second. And City Centurions first. And that is that. Uh, I'll finish up with the gossip and we will be done for today. Tottenham have had an offer of around £38 rejected for Porto's Columbia winger Luis Diaz. Aston Villa are nearing, nearing an agreement to sign Juventus and Uruguay midfielder Rodrigo Bentancur. Newcastle will not be signing Diego Carlos as Sevilla have decided to keep him. Uh, Newcastle have made an offer for Bruno Gomerich. Uh Paris Saint-Germain and Netherlands midfielder Ginny Wijnaldum is open to a move to Arsenal. I bet he's not. Uh, Liverpool and Manchester City are the clubs most interested in Yuri Tielemans. Juventus have reached an agreement to sign Dusan Vlahovic, uh, ending Arsenal's chances. Arsenal had no chance anyway. Everton are interested in Tottenham and France midfielder Tango Endeville. They don't even have a manager. So how do you know they're interested? There's no manager. So this is nonsense. Brighton are monitoring Deli Ali with a view to making a loan move. That would be a good move. I'd like to see him go there. I would like to see him go there. Southampton are also considering a move for Ali. These would be better than Newcastle. Uh, Burnley are closing in on Dinamo Zagreb and Croatian midfielder Mislav Orsic. He's 29. It's an odd move. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Ruben Neves and Douglas Luiz are on a transfer wish list drawn up by Mikel Arteta. Okay. 
Uh, Brentford have increased their offer for Nottingham Forest midfielder Brennan Johnson and the 20-year-old Welshman is also been monitored by Newcastle. He is meant to be outstanding. Uh, West Ham are considering a move for Duje Kletekar. I think he'd make sense for West Ham. Uh, I think he'd make sense for Villa as well. Everton owner Farhad Mashiri is overruling the Toffees board, impressing ahead with the appointment of Vitor Pereira, with club executives wanting to take the time. They should take the time, but if they end up on Lampard, it's a mistake anyway. Uh, Newcastle will miss out on Robin Gosens as Juventus looks set to sign. No, he's not going to Juventus. He's going to Inter Milan. So goal are wrong, or the BBC are are wrong in what they're saying goal are saying. Um, Arsenal goalkeeper Bernard Leno is pushing for mover away. Newcastle are believed to be interested. Meh. If I was Watford, I'd probably make an offer. Watford could do with a goalkeeper. AC Milan are eyeing a move for Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. He has played for AC Milan before, many, many years ago, though not to, uh, not to a whole lot of success. Um, he was at Milan from 07 to 2011. Been a year in their academy. Made no first team appearances at all. Was loaned to Lille, loaned to Dion, loaned to Monaco. They were all, the Lille and Monaco loans were failures. Uh, he went to Sedetian and that's kind of where he took off. Red Bull Salzburg and USA midfielder Brendan Aronson has refused to be drawn in a move to Leeds. Tottenham are in talks with Fiorentina over a move for Sofian Amrabat. And Wales midfielder Aaron Ramsey will be frozen out of the Juventus squad if he does not leave this month. Um, I don't think he cares. I really don't think he cares. Uh, We'll leave it there for today. Thank you, as always. I will speak to you all tomorrow. Take care of yourselves. Goodbye. Podcast Network.